0: Well, today is Father's Day, and um, I love being a dad. I mean, I love being a dad. I always wanted to be a dad. I was like, you know, 15 years old, couldn't wait to be 50. I don't know, I've always been weird like that. And I always wanted to be a dad. A lot of you know the story. Um, I wanted all boys. You know, I wanted the classic stereotypical, take all the boys to the ball field and and do the whole, like, just the the dad-boy thing. And we went to the first ultrasound, and they said, it's a girl, and I pouted for like a day. I was very upset. I pouted until my dad pulled me to the side and was like, you need to snap out of it. You know, like, you're be excited. And we had Sadie, and I held that little girl, and I was done. Like, I was just done. And uh, then we had Nora, and then I was like, I want all girls. I want, you know, four girls. You know, I, I want, that's what I want to do. I want to go the Troy Fleming route. You know, I want all girls. And uh, you know the way God works. As soon as you say you know exactly how you want it, now I got two boys, uh, and it definitely takes ten times the energy to raise the boys than it did the girls in the beginning. All you guys tell me it'll get harder later. I believe you. But um, so many things I love about being a dad. But I think what I love about being a dad the most is that God has given me the opportunity to raise future adults that don't have to have daddy issues. I mean, I love the opportunity. To be able to raise up daughters and to raise up sons and to send them out in the world and they can just know like i don't have daddy issues i was loved by my parents i was raised up by my parents they showed me how to be an adult how to love god how to love a wife like they, they showed me how to do those things and i love the opportunity and i know you do too guys we like a good challenge i love the fact that god says okay here's a child you bought a big screen TV and you got an eighty-page manual. You had a kid. You got no manual. Nobody tells you what to do, right? Like, like here, and you get the challenge now of raising, uh, raising a kid, raising kids. And um, we enjoyed it so much. We had four, but we're done. So uh, we're done. This is like the four kid road down here. We got the lace fields down here with us. Two, <laughs> two more. Sorry, not everybody down there has four kids. Sorry about that. Uh, but like, I think all of us would agree if, if you grew up in a house with a dad, I think all of us would agree that one of the favorite things about your dad is how lame and cheesy uh, they are and their sense of, and their sense of humor is how much they embarrass you. And, um, I know my dad was like every, my dad, maybe you maybe you had this experience every time we would go to a, a Mexican restaurant, my dad would try to order in Spanish But he like you don't know Spanish and you yell because you think they can't hear you, and then we would go to like a hibachi Japanese place and he would try to order in Spanish and like he thought it was so funny. He still does it to this day. It's really embarrassing. Um, but you think to yourself like I'll never be that. I'll never be like my dad. I am saying all the dumb stuff he used to say to me. You know what I'm talking about. When I was a kid, we'd go swimming, and we'd come back, and my dad would be like, was the water wet? And I just remember thinking, like, that's the dumbest thing ever. Every time my kids come back from the pool now, I'm like, was the water wet? (laughs) Like, I just think it's so funny. It's not funny, but I just think it's, I'm just, I'm cracking myself up, you know, and Sadie's like, was the water wet? Uh, I was looking on Twitter for, like, some of the best dad quotes and uh, like dad statements and dumbest things dads say, embarrassing things dads say. These are a couple of funny ones. Like, they're only funny if you grew up with a lame dad, but you'll kind of get where I'm going with this. Um, this girl named K Page, 813, said, Whenever someone goes to the bathroom, my dad always says, mention my name and you'll get a good seat. <laughs> That's a good one. Whenever we go shopping the cash, and the cashier asks for a phone number, my dad always says, no thanks, I'm already married. <laughs> this is my favorite. Uh, no matter how many times we correct him, my dad still thinks Facebook is called my face. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And then I had to read this one because this is so my dad. Uh, he preached for us two weeks ago or yeah, two weeks ago, yeah, uh, or was it last week? Two weeks ago, yeah. he preached was two weeks ago, so you got a chance to to see him, meet him. Great, Dad, but this is our house. So this guy named Nathan on Twitter said, My stomach hurts. Dad says, drink more water. I sliced my hand. Dad says, drink more water. I'm dying. Dad says, drink more water. I grew up in a house, no matter what happened to you, you needed to drink more orange juice. All right? It's like, Dad, I just broke my ankle. He's like, drink some orange juice, go sit on the couch. We never went to the doctor. I don't know if you grew up in that house, but like, I was like, Dad, I think I'm like, uh, I think I'm like suffocating. Here, drink some orange juice. Like whatever, it was always orange juice. And so, uh, I just thought that was pretty funny. And maybe you grew up in a house with a lame, cheesy dad, but lame, cheesy dads are awesome. Can I get an amen? We love us some lame, cheesy dads. So I want to just for a few minutes today um, talk to all the men in the room. The story we're going to be reading in the Bible. It does apply to everybody. It doesn't just apply to the men in the room. It applies to everybody. But I specifically want to talk to the men because it's Father's Day. So this will be the largest group of men that at one time will be in the church building for the year uh, this year. And so I want to take the opportunity to, to talk to all the men. We're going to be in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 46 and read for a few verses And we're going to read a story in the Bible about a dad. We're going to read a story about a man, about a dad in the Bible who was in a place where he needed something from God. And there were a few traits, a few things that he did that I think um, that we can can learn from uh, in our lives and, and, and as dads. So this will be up on the screen for you. I'm going to read it for you. John 4, starting with verse 46 It says, once more he visited, talking about Jesus, he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you uh, unless you Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, excuse me, you'll never believe. The royal official said, "Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday, at 1 in the afternoon the fever left him then the father realized that this was the exact time at which jesus had said to him your son will live so his whole household believe i love this story i love this story for a lot of reasons but i love it mostly because it's a story about a dad who is so desperate for God or for Jesus to do something for his son or for his family that he goes and does um, a desperate thing. So what I want to talk to you about for a few moments today is how we can be men, how we can be men or how we can be dads who lead our families well, who lead our homes well. And like I said earlier, maybe you're an uncle, maybe you're a cousin, maybe you're a, a godfather, a friend, you have influence. So I'm talking to all the men in the room today, not just the dads, but, but you have influence. You lead somebody. God hardwired you. God designed you to be a leader. I don't care if you feel like a leader. God designed you and hardwired you to be a leader. And so I want to talk today about how we can be better leaders, be better men uh, that, that God wants us to be. Re- three really simple, simple points that come out of this story that I think we have to be and we have to do as men um, to to be who God wants us to be. We see a dad in the story whose son is sick. And so he's trying to come up with a way to to heal his son. He's trying to come up with a way to protect his son. And so the first thing that he did in the story is he showed up. Everybody say showed showed up. He showed up. I, we got some other points that we're going to get to today, and like I'm really excited to talk about them. But I don't think that we can overstate the importance of just showing up. Of just showing up. Listen to me, man. If if you are important in somebody's life, a son, a daughter, a wife, a friend. If you play some type of important role of influence in somebody's life, can I tell you the most important thing that you can do is show up? Show up. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know how to to do everything. You don't have to have all the answers. Just your presence makes a difference. Just being in the room, just showing up makes a difference. What are some things in your life that maybe you need to start showing up to? And I'm thinking, I'm preaching a lot through my life and my experiences, so excuse me if this doesn't apply to you, but like for me, I've been challenged lately. Like, I need to show up at bedtime. Early on when my kids were younger, I was really passionate about taking 10, 15, 20 minutes every night, going to the room with them, reading a story, maybe reading a Bible story together, spending time praying, maybe laying in the bed together. But, you know, then the NBA finals are on or you know, then there's some movie on or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I'm reading a book or I'm working on something and, and you just end up, go to bed. Just go to bed. Just, just go, get up there. and go. To, I'll be up there in a second. And you never make it up there. And then the kids are, like, upset because you never made it and you're mad at them. Like, somehow you didn't make it. You're like, just go to bed. Just, you know, just stay in there, you know. Um, maybe you need to show up at, at bedtime, tucking your kids in and being there. Maybe, maybe you need to show up at church with your family. I gave a stat, I don't have it written down, but I gave it last year when we were talking through a marriage series, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ballpark it, it's really close. But if a child is the first person in a family to come to church, there's a 15% chance that the rest of the family will come to church with the child. If the mom is the first person in a family to come to church, there's about a 35% chance that the rest of the family will come to church with the mom. If the dad is the person who comes to church, there's an 85% chance that the rest of the family is going to come to church. And we say all the time around here, church doesn't fix all your problems. Church doesn't solve all your problems. And you don't even have to come to church to be a Christian. But it is the best place that you can come to hang out for God to work on your life, to fix you, to, to construct you, to change you, to guide you, to help you, to bless you. This is the best place you can be. And so maybe instead of saying like, hey, y'all go and I'll go next time, maybe you, you get in the car with them, you drive them, you load them up and, and, you, and you show up to church together. Maybe you need to show up at, at your job. I'm not by any means beating up on you because life is hard and life beats us down, man. But maybe from a provider role standpoint, you got to say, you know what, I, I got to do better than I'm doing now. I'm going to show up at a different job, a different career or someplace financially The most important thing you can do is show up. Listen, you don't have to have a lot of money to to impress your wife or woo your wife. You already married her, but you do have to show up. You do have to show up. You don't have to teach your kids how to do everything, but you do need to be there. You do need to show up. And so we see a man here in the story who, who knew that in order for something to change, he had to go find Jesus. And we could talk about that for a while, but we don't have time. But, but he knew that he couldn't fix this problem on his own. Maybe you have a situation in your life, a situation in your home, and maybe you're starting to realize you can't fix it. More money won't fix it. More iPods won't fix it. We don't have iPods anymore. More iPhones won't fix it. More, You know what I'm saying? Like more stuff won't fix it. You got to get to Jesus. And so I guess technically Jesus could have healed the boy without the dad ever showing up and asking, but that's not the way that it works. He showed up. He showed up. Everybody say show up. up. So the dad shows up. He gets to Jesus. And he does something that most men don't do. Look at what happened. It says that he begged. It says when this man heard that Jesus had arrived, he went to him and he begged him. Like, Men, if we're just being honest, we don't do the whole vulnerable thing really well. We don't do the whole, I'm desperate, I'm begging, I'm crying, I'm emotional, I'm vulnerable. We don't do it really well. It's like, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I mean, my son's dying. You know, if you could do something about it, it'd be great, but I'm not going to really get emotional about it. No, that's not what this dad did. This dad said, I'm desperate. He got down on his knees and he begged Jesus to fix and to heal a situation. What's the situation in your life that you would beg to see changed? I know you have one. All of us in this room, we have one. A situation in our life that we desperately want to see changed. And I'm not saying that it's this way all the time, but I am saying that there are some situations in life that will not change until we get desperate enough to crack out of our shell, to stop having everything under control and being so cool and just saying, look, I'm at a place where I'm desperate. I'm desperate. Sometimes we have to get desperate to see something change. And listen, sometimes there's blessing in desperation. Sometimes there's, there's blessing and desperation. And look at what he says. He says, uh, he, says um, he begged him to come and to heal his son who was close to death. He wasn't just sick, he was close to death. The scales had tipped. We're now closer to death than we are life. And maybe there are some situations in your life where it feels like the scales... Have tipped. Maybe you feel like you're closer to falling apart than you are being together. Maybe you feel like that uh that you're closer to quitting than you are starting. Maybe you feel like you're closer to divorce in your marriage than you are closer to your honeymoon. Maybe, maybe you feel like you're closer to your family splitting up than your family reuniting. Maybe you feel like you're you're, you're closer to, to fear than you are to faith because what happens in our lives, come on men, if we're being honest, what happens is things gradually get out of control in our lives. And it doesn't start that way because we're usually, usually, I'm stereotyping here, but usually we're not massive ups and massive downs. Usually things gradually build in our lives. That's why six months into like some silly fight, we punch a hole in the wall because things have been building. You know what I mean? And so you didn't realize at the time that things were as bad as they were, or you were as unhappy as you were, or you were, you know, what's going on in your life. But now as you analyze it and you look at it, you say, you know what, I'm closer to death than I am to life because that's where this dad finds himself. The reason he's so desperate, the reason he's begging is because he, he, the, the scales have tipped. He can't keep it in the status quo and expect everything to be Okay. He needs a miracle. He needs, he needs something to change. But I love, I love the word in verse 49. It says, he begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. And Jesus said, you'll never believe. The royal, uh, the, the royal official said, sir, come down before. Everybody say before. Come down before my child dies. And I don't want to get too crazy with this here, but I just love that word before because that means that it's not over yet. He's not coming to Jesus, and, he's, and Jesus did the raising of the dead type of stuff, but he's not coming to Jesus and saying, he's dead, it's over. He's saying, before he dies, could you do something miraculous? Could you do something Incredible. Before I make funeral arrangements, could you do this? Before I quit, and listen, everybody in the room has a before. Everybody in the room has a before. It's not over yet, but you feel like the scales have tipped, and there's something in your life, and you're saying, I don't think it's going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's not over yet. Your kids haven't left home yet. Your marriage isn't over yet. Your career, your job is not over yet. The relationships, they're not over yet. So what is your before? Where are you standing at, looking at, and saying, it's not over yet, but I'm getting close unless God does something in my life. Don't want to be too dramatic, but maybe you would say, Jason, I need help before I lose my mind. I need help before I lose my job, before I lose my health. Before I lose my business, before I lose my family, I need help before. Like, we're we're usually pretty good at asking for help after it blows up in our face. But we go to God and we say, God, it's not dead yet. I need help before it dies. And you're here today. Listen, Dad. Listen, man. You're here today before You're here today before it's over, before it dies, before it falls apart. It's not over yet. and So you can't quit. You can't throw in the towel because it's not dead yet. Who in your life is counting on you not to quit? Don't throw in the towel. Don't don't do it. Because there's power in a father's faith. Please hear me. There is something powerful about a man, about a dad, about a leader, having faith saying it's not over yet it 's not over yet, so it happens in this story. You know, statistically, women uh, dominate the church, like statistically, churches across the nation, there is such an overwhelming majority of women in churches and we love our ladies in the room. We love you ladies. I'm not saying anything negative. I think it's incredible. But so many times we applaud the faith of the ladies, their heart, the their way they pray for their families. But today, could I, I just want to give a shout out to all the godly men in the room. Like the dads in the room who don't get a lot of credit, but you're praying for your family. The dads who don't get a lot of credit because you're the quiet one, you're the introvert, and you're married to the extrovert. Come on, right here. You don't get a ton of credit, but you, you are laying that foundation. You are that stable. You do show up. You do work hard. You are present. And, and as men, we're always trying to tweak and fix and change, and we want to get better, and it's not as good as it could be. But listen, I just want to take a moment and just say, you're doing great. You're doing great. There's something powerful about your leadership. There's something powerful about you showing up. There's something powerful about you being in that home, about you getting your family to church, about about you praying, about you getting out that Bible. Listen, I know it feels weird to pray with your family sometimes. I know it feels weird to read the Bible and not say the words right. I get it. I know it feels weird sometimes to, to try to be a godly leader when it doesn't feel like a natural thing about you, but there's something powerful about a father's faith. I'll call my dad after the service is over and I'll wish him a happy Father's Day and we'll talk for just a second. And you know, but I I am who I am today, especially spiritually, because of a father's faith, a grandfather's faith. And my children will be spiritually what they're going to be because of their father's faith. Now listen, don't be discouraged if you're hearing you say, Well, I didn't have a father's faith. You get to be the patriarch of your family. That's incredible. Like, I'm, I am like fourth down the line, and I'm so thankful. Thank you Jesus for that. But you get to be the guy that three generations from now, they say, let me tell you about my great-grandfather. You get to be the patriarch. You get to change a family tree. You get to change a family legacy because of faith, because of a relationship with God. And so, Ladies, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for your leadership when you show up and lead in absence of men. And we get that. Thank you for that. But but man, if you're here, men, if you are in the room today and you're trying and you're showing up and you're trying to follow Jesus and you're trying to be a godly example, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. So let let me give you one more. So he showed up, he got desperate and he begged, and then lastly... Maybe most importantly, he believed. Everybody say, believe. He believed. Jesus gave him a a life giving word, literally. Jesus said, Go, your son will live. And the man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. Sir, dad, husband, listen to me. If you will believe, your family will believe. I'm telling you, I've never seen it not work, I've never seen it not happen. In, in 13 years of ministry, really a life of ministry, but in 13 years of actually doing the ministry, I've never seen a man put his faith in Jesus and be all in, and the mom and the kids are like, nah, I don't really want to do it. I've never seen it happen, not once. You know that? Not once, ever. I've seen the other way a lot. I've never seen the man believe and the household not believe. It's just not the way that God wired it. And maybe you know an example. I'm not saying it's 100%. I'm just saying I've never seen it. This father in this story took Jesus at his word. And, And there's a little interesting play going on here because when he left Jesus, he did not know that his son was healed. He didn't find out until later. And so maybe you're here today and there are situations in your life and you don't even realize that God is working on them right now. You don't realize that he is healing your marriage, your job, your career, your kids. You don't realize that it is going on. But if you will believe, take Jesus at his word and believe and show up and desperately seek God, he will fix and heal and turn around situations in your life. So, so what word do you need to believe today? What is it about what God says about you or what God promises you that you need to believe today? Maybe it's that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Maybe it's that he knew you before you were in your mother's womb and that he has great plans for your life. Maybe it's that if you raise up a child in the way that they should go, they won't depart from it. Maybe it's that what God has joined together, no man can separate. There are all these promises and all these words that God has given us that we can choose to believe. We can quit, we can let it die, or we can say, God, before it dies, I'm choosing to believe that you want to miraculously change a situation. Miraculously change it. You may not be who you want to be, You may not be where you want to be, but you're not who you used to be. And in a society and in a culture that's always tearing you down and beating you up and telling you what you're doing wrong and how you're screwing up everything, listen, God loves you. He's crazy about you. He has great plans for your life. And if you will keep showing up, he's not going to let you mess it up. Please hear me. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You keep showing up. You keep seeking God even when it's confusing or it doesn't make sense or it doesn't add up. He's not going to let you mess it up. Will you be perfect? Nope. You won't. But God is going to lead you and guide you and help you to, to be the leader, to be the man that he's called you to be. We got to show up. We got to get desperate. And we got to believe. We got to show up. We got to get desperate. And we got to believe. And we got to keep believing that God's not through with us. We have faults and sins and addictions and imperfections and areas where we mess up, but God's not through with us. He has great plans for our life. Here's how I'd like to. To close out our service today, it's going to be a little bit different, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, so I'm going to step on a limb, and if I embarrass you, I really do apologize. But can I get all of the men in the room to stand up? Can I just get every man in there? You're not coming down front. Don't get nervous. Just stand up for me. Just stand up for me. Everybody look around the room for a second. We are blessed at Hope City Church to have some incredible men. Can we just... Guys, listen to me. Your family and this church family, Hope City Church, will only go as far as you take us. That's it. We're only going to go as far as you lead us and as you take us. And so here's what I'd like for us to do today, if at all possible. There again, not trying to freak anybody out. But if you're standing by a man that you care about or that you know, would you just stand up with me, ladies? And would you put an arm on a shoulder would you put just, like, just don't get weird with it, but can you just pray for somebody around you that is a man in your life or that you know or that you feel comfortable, uh, you, know, you know, whatever. You know what I mean, put an arm on a shoulder or whatever it is. I just want us to pray for all the guys in the room. Nothing crazy, nothing weird. We're just gonna pray that God would continue to build us up, lead us, give us strength and faith trust him, to, to, to lead our families, our jobs, our careers, our church. Can we do that? Will you pray out loud with me? Let's pray out loud together and pray for those guys in our life right now that we care about and that, and that we need so desperately.